Why are so many legislators prioritizing casinos and marijuana over basic education opportunities for the kids who need it most? Here to give us the inside scoop on all that is Dr. Todd Gacky, our Government Relations Director at the Family Foundation. Plus, we're going to give you the latest on Sage's Law. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with Dr. Todd Gacky. Well, welcome, Todd. I'm really glad to have you on the show today. And let me just say, there is no one better than Todd to give us the play-by-play on what's going on in the state capitol right now. I definitely want to talk about Mama Bear Day last week and what's happening with some of this key parental rights legislation, like Sage's Law. But first, I really wanted to give you a chance to talk about this very interesting commentary that you wrote, um, where you described what you were seeing happening in the General Assembly. And basically, you wrote about how our legislators seem to be prioritizing things like casinos and marijuana over a good education for all kids. Yeah. Um, So this year, we worked really hard to try and pass a bill. It was called the uh, Education Success Accounts, essentially creating savings accounts um, for a family to use to put their child into a private school of their choice or to provide after-school tutoring. And it's a great bill. It was carried by Delegate Davis. And as you know, we helped shepherd it through the through the legislative process, but it got to a committee. And of course, you know, throughout this, you're trying to secure votes. And as I was walking into this one committee, I noticed a lot of high fives and hugs and people were really excited. And I knew that there was another bill in that committee that was going to approve uh, another casino or it. A, uh, allow Petersburg to have a referendum on a casino. And we weren't crazy about that bill. Um, and that wasn't really what bothered me, although, you know, we, we took a position on it. But what bothered me was that I know that there, there was two Republican legislators on that committee who voted for the bill to approve the Petersburg casino, but we couldn't get them to commit to voting for education savings accounts. And here's why that's really ironic, because as you shared in your blog, according to statistical reports, Petersburg is the least healthy locality, according to their measurements, in the Mm -hmm. state. And one of the major things with that is the academic assessment test. Yeah, yeah. They they were ranked one of the lowest school districts in the state. Um, And, you know, of course, they've also had years of financial woes as well, nearly on the, the brink of bankruptcy. And I'm thinking, here's a great bill to build the next generation, give them the opportunities to have education success, and instead we're focused on a casino as the, uh, as the way that they're going to improve their locality. Uh, and I just thought it's just, it's just not prioritizing correctly. You know, it's, yeah. it's a missed opportunity. And then at the same time, on the Senate side of things, because that was the house that mm-hmm. you were talking about. Right. Uh, But on the Senate side, you've got this Finance and Appropriations Committee that is voting for things like recreational marijuana, basically allowing for pot shops on every street corner. Yeah. You know, ever since they legalized marijuana, the next step has been a push to try and commercialize marijuana. Like you said, putting a pot shop on every corner. Um, And so there's been this huge push to do that. We've been pushing back for families to protect their, their young kids, the safety, their health. 
Uh, at the same time, they're defeating a bill that would have helped strengthen the existing scholarship tax credit program that allows for low-income families to receive scholarships to provide for their child to go to a private school of their choice that better meets their needs. And so here you have a situation where they're prioritizing marijuana and pot yeah. shops above school school opportunities, education opportunities. Yeah, and, and you're talking about kids. At the very same time, well, I think it was January, the UVA Health Blue Ridge Poison Center comes out with this report that children unintentionally eating marijuana edibles have almost tripled in the last year. And this this is from calls coming into the Poison yeah. Center. Um, I mean, we are talking about toddlers mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. thinking that what they think are gumdrops, it's actually marijuana with THC. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> we, we, have... we refer to as high potent, high potent THC. I mean, this is not what the baby boomers were using back in the 60s and 70s. This is some very dangerous stuff. And if you get it and these these young kids consume it, it is very serious. I mean, it's not even another state report. It's our only it's, it's coming out of our own state. Exactly. They're saying these reports, uh, children in the emergency room or in the hospital out of this have tripled. Yeah. And then they're still trying to make this happen. Yeah. I, and we have a, a real case from Spotsylvania or, or the Fredericksburg area, somewhere around there where a mother had 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 purchased some and their child got a hold of it consumed too much and tragically lost lost their life and the grief for this family and if you approve this and put and and commercialize it you're only contributing to the problem yeah and you were saying you know a couple of republicans before and we were talking about the casino but this time we're talking about in the senate's the majority of democrats so it's a problem on both sides of the aisle with this prioritization issue yeah but not only are they voting down uh, efforts to increase opportunities for kids through these opportunity uh, scholarships that would allow them to have more access to school of their choices. This would help impoverished kids because uh, it would allow more people to donate. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also cutting. Why, are they cutting the entire yeah. funding? Yeah, the Senate's changes to the budget included a cut to the tax credit program, reducing it down to about $12 million, uh, which is still $2 million less than what they actually used in the in the current fiscal year. Um, so they're taking some major efforts to cut the program, take away as many opportunities for young kids to be able to go to a school that they like, where they're getting educated, that they're having, you know, enjoying education, their school. Um, and so, yeah, it's just adding insult to injury. All right. Well, do you think we might have a chance of actually at least stopping the cuts from happening, cutting the education opportunity yeah, scholarship? I, I think there's a good chance that we can do that. Now, th- the budget process is is kind of lengthy. It's involved. You know, there will be a lot of negotiations that happen. You know, the Senate and House will have to come together. And of course, the, the governor will have um, an opportunity to weigh in on it as well. So we're going to do what we can to make sure that funding stays in there. Because uh, this is right now the the loan scholarship tax credit program school choice program that we have, and we need to make sure that it is it is strong and it is thriving. All right. Well, you know, you've heard people say you can really tell what is priority in people's personal life, what you really love or value by looking at your personal budget, where you're spending your money, and so. I'm thinking it's not going to reflect too well on our commonwealth if you look at our budget and it shows that we'd rather invest in things like cannibalizing on gambling and drug addicts to increase our coffers 
rather than helping build up kids through education options. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's very frustrating, too, when you hear about other states like Iowa, West Virginia, even Arkansas, where Governor uh, uh, Sarah Sanders has just made an announcement about them moving legislation that will provide some greater opportunities for students. You know, Virginia has a very good chance of becoming like them, but we just need to have legislators willing to uh, vote the right way on the issue. All right. Well, let's catch up, Virginia, to what other states are doing. And if you want to help out and be a part of this process and make your voice heard, just go to our website, familyfoundation.org, and look up uh, look for Speak Up Virginia, and you can easily sign up for alerts right there. You'll get email alerts on what's moving through the General Assembly, and this is a key time right now. Um, you'll also be able, if you give your cell phone number, be able to get text alerts when a major debate is coming up uh, in the Senate in the next uh, couple of weeks. So be sure you do that. That's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. All right, well, let's pivot to some good news. Last week, what would be considered the equivalent of halftime in a football game happened in the General Assembly, and that is what we call a crossover when all the bills that have passed in one chamber, either the House or Senate, cross over to the other for consideration. And so there were a whole lot of parental rights bills that made it out of the House and are now in the Senate. And then in the middle of all that, Mama Bear Day happened. Yeah, that's right. That was uh, that was a great day. Uh, the press conference, the parents who showed up, the speakers. I think that it was just a, a great moment to really display the interest that parents have uh, in some of the legislation that's currently going through the process. Yeah, because we had this whole crowd, at least uh, more than 40 moms and dads who showed up to participate in Mama Bear Day. And most of them were able to make it into this press conference because we kicked things off with a Mama Bear Day press conference in the house building and all the parents were standing up there um, to show their support behind the legislators who are really fighting for parental rights legislation. So they were all standing up there wearing their mama day mm -hmm. stickers. If, if you guys haven't seen those, you need to check those out because they're yeah. really cool. They have, it's a, it's a bear with sunglasses on. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they were wearing blue to show solidarity. And, and um, most importantly, there were a couple of moms from our speak up teams that also spoke at the press conference. So I think there was a lot of emotional energy just with the moms and dads feeling like they were standing up there uh, supporting one of their own and bolstering each other yeah. to speak up on parental rights. Um, and the whole gist of the press conference was to show their support for, as we said, this parental rights legislation moving through, especially when it concerns things like explicit material in the school library. There's bills addressing that or controversial outside speakers coming into the classroom you know you don't want um, things like Planned Parenthood or even with these drag queens pop you know that are popular right now coming into your kids classroom and you don't know anything about it I just want to play this one clip of delegate Nick Freitas talking about his bill dealing specifically with the issues of uh, outside speakers coming into the classroom. And I want to share one quick story because we had someone in testimony who claimed to be a former educator that said, we already have too much parental interference into education. And see, that's, that's what we're getting out here, right? This isn't just about individual policy positions. It is about a fundamentally different approach to the way we look at children as families at education. No, we don't have too much parental interference into education because the bottom line is, is the fundamental right to, to manage your child's education rests with the parent, not the state. 
Todd, what were your thoughts on what he was saying? Do you remember what he was referring to? Uh, were you aware of this testimony he was talking about where parents were actually referred to as an interference? Yeah, I, that's a really interesting uh, account that he provided. And, I mean, it's so telling. I mean, it, why would parents not be involved in this? Why, why are we, how have we gotten to the point that parents now are a problem for the teachers and the educators uh, to the point where we're trying to exclude them. No, no, you should be going over and above to make sure that they're involved and they're helping direct the education of their child. You know, these, these schools are, are the agency for us, working on our behalf, helping to educate our children, but they don't replace us as parents when it comes to overseeing what is and what is not appropriate for them in their ears. Yeah, I mean, we're our tax funds pay yeah. for this <laughs> yeah. and we're designated an interference. Right. Yeah. Um, I understand the uh, trying to balance and not put um, a lot of expectations on parent uh, on teachers. Right. But at the same time, we we must recognize that parents have to have a say in in these things and, and make sure that they are notified and they're giving permission, especially when we're talking about people who are potentially coming in that are third parties that they're unfamiliar with. Parents really need to be made aware of these and given the chance to opt their child out. Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to mention, before we move on from Mama Bear Day, I mentioned those two moms that spoke at the press conference. One was from Chesterfield and one from Hanover. And they had never done anything like this before as far as speaking at a Capitol Hill press conference. These are just everyday moms trying to navigate the school system. And I was so proud of them. They knocked it out of the park. Let's just listen to one of those moms, Tara Lawrence, a Hanover County mother of four. In my daughter's first semester of high school, which wrapped up about a week ago, she brought home several books with content that glorified premarital sex and sexual experimentation among teens. Like many children, she was drawn to the covers of the books and therefore selected them, but she did not know the content that was in them. There are many great literature options out there that encourage responsible choices and contributing positively to our world. And we know as adults that what we read, what we watch, what we listen to, those things influence our thinking and our behavior. Todd, you have kids who've attended schools in the same area as Tara's. I know you're from that neck of the woods. What were your thoughts on what she was sharing right then? I, I, the whole time I was thinking this is an example of why we're trying to advocate for these policies. You know, these are the things that we we watched for. You know, we, we made sure that we were attentive to these, uh, what was being brought home, the curriculum, the books. And, and it's just an example of how certain things with, you know, very explicit sexual content can make its way into the hands of these young kids. And, and it's a perfect example of why a bill like the one that is Delegate Anderson is carrying um, to make sure that, that sexually explicit materials don't come home to those kids. Um, that's why we, we need that legislation so much. Now, have you dealt with this in your family? Have you ever had an experience with your kid in the public schools where they're coming home with something or being exposed to something that you would have preferred they not be exposed to? Um you know, we there there have been times when there have been projects or assignments that have been uh, given to our, our kids that we thought, you know what, this is probably not best suited for them. Let's see if we can find an alternative. Mm -hmm. uh, and in one particular instance, I won't go into any detail, it, it was a little bit of a struggle to work with that teacher, and we had to bring an administrator in. 
to uh, to help us resolve the issue. But um, but we do know of, of other friends uh, that have had this this situation happen to them, and um, and they they went immediately to the administrators and and shared their concerns. And that's what we're fighting for right now is for those concerns to be heard because they're backed up by state law policy in the education code. And that's what we're trying to advocate for right now. Um, so, Todd, what can parents do that are listening right now and just concerned citizens that want to help out? Should they be calling their senators right now? Yeah, I would recommend that they contact their senators um, wherever they live. Uh, you can go to the General Assembly website. You can download a, a link for the um, for the listing of senators and 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 let them know, hey, you are a concerned parent. You want to make sure that there are not books or content or things on, in the library that you don't want your child to have access to. Without your knowledge. Without our knowledge. And certainly not to be assigned to them uh, for projects. Um, and, and there are some good bills that are trying to address that. Uh, we certainly want to make sure that there's nothing with sexually explicit material on the bookshelves. Let's just quickly mention some of those bills. Now, granted, it's moving so fast. You know, we, we don't know exactly where the, these bills are at when you hear this. Um, but at this time, um, you know, you mentioned Tim Anderson's bill. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 1379. I believe so. Yeah. I'm not very good with numbers right I think now. I'm pretty but sure it's yeah. 1379. Yeah. But that so, that book would uh, uh, require schools to catalog any books with sexually explicit uh, graphics, pictures, things of that nature. Uh, compile a list and make that available to the parents and then allow the parents to make sure their child doesn't check those books out. Yeah, and then the one dealing with um, speakers coming into the classroom, that's Delegate Nick Freitas. Was there mm-hmm. any an other major one you wanted to mention? Um, well, I think, you know, another bill that you could um, talk to them about is, I believe it's House Bill 1507. I think you're right. Um, that's Delegate McGuire. And that's um, that's also strengthening and improving the parental rights law that we have in the uh, in the code right now. But it really makes sure that they have some, some teeth to this, you know, as far as what the curriculum um, that parents have a, have oversight of to make sure that um, they can opt their child out of any any lessons that they disagree with Um, and so that's another that's another good parental rights bill to keep an eye on all right now we also saw major movement on two other big bills that affect parents and students the first one was sage's law and it got out of the house Thank, thank you, Lord, because we were kind of worried about it getting out of the house, right? Yeah, it. it uh, we were working hard to get the votes, and um, and yeah, we yeah we praise the Lord. It, it made it out of the house, uh, party line vote, um, and so now it moves to the Senate, and so there there's still we're working the bill. We're trying to address some concerns that some some legislators have and some constituents, but uh, the bill is in the Senate, um, and and so now we begin the process of trying to educate the senators on this bill because they haven't seen it. They may have heard about it in the news, but they haven't Mm -hmm. seen it yet. And like you were saying to me this morning, this is a national issue. It's not this state. We are seeing multiple states deal with this. And I just want to mention right after we had that conversation, I saw an article, I think it was coming out of Maine, where another parent is uh, raising the flag. Her child was given um, a chest binder, by apparently by the school counselor without her knowing about it, oh. 13 years old. Oh, yeah. I, you're starting to hear some of these heartbreaking stories, really. I mean, you know, where schools are doing things without parents knowing, um, and especially on such such 
you know, serious issues. I mean, you're talking about their identity, about who they are. And, you know, we want to, of course, tell them, you know, God made you, you were you're beautifully and wonderfully made. Uh, and that undermines what parents are teaching at home when these teachers and school administrators come in and start telling them something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only leads to more confusion. And in the case of Sage's story, yeah. we know what where it went Actually from opening the door up to harm and predators. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, also, uh, fairness in female sports also made big news in making it out of the house on a party line vote. What are your thoughts on whether does that have any chance, even a slim one, of making it through the Senate? Well, we don't put anything past God. Right. Um, But, you know, it is perspective. Yeah. uh, You know, I want to I want to say that. But, you know, we also deal in reality and it's going to be a very um, challenging effort to get that House bill approved, especially considering that they the Senate defeated companion bills in the Senate earlier last month. So um, it's going to be a challenge. But it's it's all about trying to put this issue out there for Virginians to see and to recognize that that this is a problem um, and it's coming is coming this way. We see it happening in other states. It's a national issue. And it's only a matter of time before a young female athlete either loses their spot or gets seriously injured because a biological male is competing on a female, all-female mm-hmm. athletic team. And so we're trying to prevent that from mm-hmm. happening. And we're going to keep at it. Even if we don't get victory this year, this, You know, we are building here. Um, yeah. I just want to mention real quick, if you want more details on all these things we've been talking about, I mentioned the commentary that Todd wrote about the education success accounts. And casinos and marijuana getting higher priority. That is on our website, familyfoundation.org. If you go to our YouTube channel, you can watch the Mama Bear press conference and see those moms speaking out and see more what the legislators had to say. Um, and then also on Sage's Law and uh, Fairness in Female Sports, you can get a lot more detail on that on our website. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! All right, left-wing legislators in the Virginia General Assembly continue to give us a wealth of candidates for the Inconceivable Award. First, we had this infamous tweet where Senator Louise Lucas basically makes a joke out of efforts to save babies' lives through legislation. She actually tweeted out a picture of herself throwing that legislation in the trash can. That's incredible. I mean, how apathetic of an attitude can she have towards pro-life legislation and saving babies' lives? Yeah, it's almost like they're just this callousness and kind of trivializing it that's what you yeah. know and then the whole trash can image that's not really something you want to have with that issue yeah i don't think that was a very well thought out yeah. image but it doesn't stop there now we actually have senators making the statement that human life doesn't even exist before birth let's just hear that comment coming from senator jennifer boisco i happen to be the daughter of an episcopal priest and i've studied theology myself i believe that life begins at birth. I also believe that a person is the best to choose whether or not they're gonna start a family. I respect that there are people who have a differing opinion. However, we are lawmakers living in a state with freedom of religion. Okay, she's from the Nova area, right? Yes. All right, everybody, did you catch that? 
Not only did she say that life begins at birth, but she's also saying it's a religious freedom issue. And let's just give some context for this. What they were debating right then was changing the wording of the state constitution to allow unlimited abortion at any stage up until birth. I mean, I'm just not even sure where to start with this one. Well, you know, what a telling comment that was uh, that she she made, uh, you know, and I've been thinking about that. And, I, you know, we you know, we've had three three children. Um, and of course, we've adopted one as well. But, you know, when our children were, you know, in the womb, we, we would talk to the child and, yeah. you know, that they were part of our family. Yeah. And we didn't think that, oh, we got to wait until they're born in order for them to actually be considered part of the family. No, they were already part of our family. I love that image, Todd. You know, you're touching Amy's womb, feeling the baby in there. Yeah. You guys are talking to it. Yeah. I mean, I thought of all these gender reveal parties. I mean, what what are we celebrating if there's not a life in there? Right. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I mean, this is this is very scary, too, because now we're starting to see how they really think about the unborn life. Mm -hmm. And she just admitted it right there on the on the Senate floor. Mm hmm. Well, I think it's time for us all to recall the words of Dr. Seuss, a person, a person, no matter how small. Yeah, I like that. I, I think we can also go back to the original author, right? The author yeah. of life. You know, God's yeah. word says in Psalm 139 that as humans, we're, we're knitted together by God in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no greater description of human life than Psalm 139 in that, in that passage. Yeah, and you know, the Bible uses the word fearfully to describe human life. And I think that's why, you know, we find this so disturbing when we see people treating this issue in a trivial manner because they're, they're sh you know, it, do it doesn't um, get to that fearfulness we should have that this is uh, the sanctity of human yeah, life. Yeah, like the like respect God for what yeah. God is creating. Right. Yeah. But I guess the senator was right in one sense. It is a religious issue. <laughs> yeah, she did get that right. Um, but let's get back to the, how this is playing out in policy, because it doesn't look like this constitutional amendment is actually going anywhere this year. So we're thankful for that. But there's still a couple of other pro-life bills in play, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just just to be clear, the, the there was a House version of that constitutional amendment that failed. So we're hoping and expecting that the same outcome will happen with the Senate version that's coming over. But there are two bills that really people need to know about. The first one is the the Infant Born Alive Protection Act that's carried by Delegate Nick Freitas that would make sure that a baby, if they if the baby survives an abortion, that reasonable medical care is given to that child uh, in order to make sure the baby lives. Uh, and then the other one would be informed consent. So Delegate Greenhall is carrying that bill, and that's to make sure that a mother, an expecting mother, who is considering abortion, and we hope that she doesn't choose that, but if she is at least given the necessary and important information to help her make that decision and give her time to think about it. Yeah. Um, and again, these are going to have a hard road ahead in the Senate. But, you know, sh she just said, Senator Boisco just said life begins at birth. So can we just play back her comments maybe during the testimony time Yeah, <laughs> for would the be... born alive? Because we're talking about a baby on the delivery table right there that uh, the law would make it where they have to be resuscitated. So if she's saying life begins at birth. Yeah, then, then she could easily support this bill, right? Yeah. She, she should, uh, you know, theoretically. Maybe you should go back in there, Todd, and read those comments. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, we'll see how that goes over in the, in the Senate yeah. committee room. 
I think we'd, we would all enjoy watching you do that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be behind you. Well, as I mentioned, um, we don't know exactly how this will all be playing out by the time you hear this, but we're trying to keep you updated as, as ti- in a timely manner as much as possible. Um, so any final advice before we wrap up here? Well, we've just passed halftime. Keep, keep looking for our email alerts on important updates on legislation. And uh, it's going to, you know, go by fast. And I'm looking forward to spending time with family and getting some sleep. Yeah, this is Todd's game time, so to speak. So um, he'll have a month of sleeping after this. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.